Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you here from the Super Talk studios. Welcome home, Robbie. It's been two weeks since I've been here. Yeah. It's been about 15 days, and I cannot be happier to see you, Brian. <laughs> I got tired of either looking at a blank a black screen that said Brian Haydad or just seeing you through the screen yes. uh, while I was in the press box at TD Ameritrade. I cannot be happier to be here. Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning in at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our service minimum out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. I know that the uh, upper management of Strange Brew was in uh, Omaha supporting the Bulldogs. I know they let all of their employees off Wednesday night to go home and watch the game. That's because they are a great local business. So make sure you're taking care of them. If you live here in the Starkville area, start your day every day with Strange Brew Coffee House. And whenever you need a sweet treat, you know to head over to Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. College Corner, there is national championship gear aplenty available at College Corner. Either of their two locations, they're in Jackson, they're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, they're in Flowood by the Half Shell. You can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Hats, shirts, everything you need that says Mississippi State National Champions, you've got it at College Corner. Humble Taco, one of the great restaurants here in town. They were slammed Wednesday night watching the national championship game, and now the summer's here. Man, there's just not going to be a better place to be than out on that patio, enjoying some great Mexican food with a Mississippi twist, and, of course, enjoying maybe a frozen margarita or a local beer or even a sweet tea. just depends on what strikes your fancy. Head over to Humble Taco, enjoy some chips and queso, enjoy some tacos, enjoy one of their great bowls or burritos. Whatever you're looking for, they've got a menu to suit you at Humble Taco. Two weeks since Robbie Falk has sat in that chair. That's been a long time. A lot happened while you were gone. You you were obviously aware of it there because you were in the thick of it. So today is going to be sort of our last look back at the uh, national championship season and then maybe a look forward into 2022. We'll talk a little football in the second half of the show uh, as well. But let's start with this. You know, let's go back to, to the beginning. Let's go back to like February and, the, and the, you know, Ice storm maybe prevent almost prevented state from going to that tournament over in uh, in Dallas, but they made it there. They started out the season two and one. You know, non conference play. You know, Bednar didn't start the first what three four weekends of the season. Sarantola, you were trying to figure out what you had with him. Josh Hatcher, you know, it, you were trying to figure out well, why was he not hitting. When was it? When did you start to think about this team? Okay, this is the team. I don't think anybody ever said. This is a team that's going to win the national title. But when did you start thinking there's a team that could compete for a national title? After that first weekend. Really? Okay, that yeah. early. Okay. I, I, I really felt like that team could be special. After the Texas game, you know, the way that they the way that they had the plate discipline in that first game, I thought this this offense is going to be really, really good. And they had their ups and downs, but 
the offense, for the most part, the numbers might not suggest it, but that was kind of a re- resilient offense pretty much all year. They were never, you know, just great at one thing, and that kind of made up the whole team if you think about it. But that offense was was never, you know, just a great home run hitting team or, or doubles hitting team or or anything like that. But they never they they didn't strike out. They were last in the league in strikeouts. And I think they were towards the top of the lead in walks. So you knew that was going to be a tough lineup to get out. And those are usually the offenses that make the most noise in the postseason, the guys that are the hardest to strike out, that have the plate discipline no matter who they're going up against. And we saw that in week one against a very, very good arm in Ty Madden. And, you know, they had the game against TCU, which I, I feel like, you know, they went up against a really good lefty and just couldn't figure him out until late in the ball game, and they started kind of mounting a rally there. They could have very easily swept that weekend against those Texas teams. And I knew that those three Texas teams were really good. And for State to come out like they did in that first weekend, it was really impressive. And to do it with, you know, Eric Sarantola not not playing and Will Bednar not playing, yeah. that was really impressive. You knew State was going to have the arms there. But if you would have told me, if you would have predicted when that ice storm hit that weekend – Okay, Eric Sarantola is is not going to work out. Josh Hatcher is going to is going to fizzle out middle of the season, and he's going to be batting one ninety three, and he's going to have to be replaced at first base by the backup catcher Luke Hancock. Mm-hmm. Cam James was making a lot of mistakes at, at shortstop. They're going to have to move him to third base, and they're going to have to play Lane Forsythe at shortstop. And Landon Jordan, your projected uh, middle infield starter or, or third baseman, is going to leave. Um, that's that's going to happen as well. I would have called you crazy if you said that Mississippi State was going to win the national championship. But we've, we've said it time and time again. I mean, it's just amazing what they were able to do to fill those slots where they really were struggling, to fill those holes there and just have production, not only production, but really good production. And by the end of the season, they're, they're playing better than anybody in the country. One thing I find interesting, you think about coaches. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to coach to win each game. Right, and especially you think about football and basketball; it's so different. Baseball, though, you don't you don't you don't normally hear about like a long term plan for the season. But it's obvious that the plan was very early on to not overextend any pitchers that you, you didn't have to. Yeah, and you were going to rely on the depth of your bullpen to get you through as much as you could, and it may have cost you a win or two in the regular season. There's no question about that. But for Chris Lamonis, that strategy really paid off. By the time Mississippi State got to the the point where they were going to win in the national title, it was because they were able to go deep with Bednar on three days rest. They were able to use Landon Sims multiple times for multiple innings. I don't know that I've ever seen a baseball team have a a strategy like that, and then it, it paid off exactly. I mean, they couldn't have drawn it up any better. And those pitchers were were pitching as well as they have all year. That's what was so impressive by it. You know, late in the season, a lot of times you see the you see those guys that they don't they don't quite have the same stuff that they had beginning right. of the year. I mean, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter were unhittable in the first six weeks of the season. Kumar Rocker was was not spotting his pitches like he had. His slider wasn't he wasn't throwing a slider for strikes. And and a lot of times, um, you know, he's not throwing a slider for strikes. He, he's trying to get you to swing and miss at it. But the ones that he was trying to throw for strikes in that final game. He was missing badly. He he was miss, he was having some big misses, even with his fastball. 
State was right around the plate with just about every guy they threw in there. I, I thought this was as good as State's pitched in a long time. I mean, everybody they put in the ball game had some really good stuff, other than Christian McLeod, who really struggled. But, uh, you know, Landon Sims was, was, was money. Will Bednar was as good as he's been all year. Preston Johnson was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, Parker Stinnett gave up the, the bomb, but I didn't think that was a terrible pitch. I, I, you know, I just thought everybody that came into the ball game, for the most part, was really good. Right. And, and that is because they had a staff full of talented players and they've they've they narrowed down the guys that were going to make the the meaningful contributions, and they still didn't overuse those guys. I thought that the two best games the bullpen had all season long were in the College World Series, and that was against Virginia and against Vanderbilt in Game One. Yeah, Virginia, you know, Virginia could, got off to a four nothing lead. They could have very easily been eight or nine nothing, but State's bullpen kept them in check and kept them in check until State was ready to mount the comeback. And then in Game One, after you, know, you give it the seven spot. State basically controlled the game, and, and that's what gave MSU fans and a lot of media confidence that, hey, th- th- they're going to be okay in this because Vanderbilt could not get a hit once they got past McLeod, who was just shaky. And the be- and, and even better is, who are the guys in there? Cade Smith, yeah. Jackson Fristo. Yeah. Guys who are going to pitch next year. Yeah, guys that you that you want to rely on. And, and I thought that was huge to get that kind of outing and that kind of atmosphere for those guys to come in there. Yeah. Cade Smith... And I think in his last five or six games did not give up an earned run. Yeah. I, I think that kid's going to be a stud. Yeah, I agree. I agree uh, same thing with Jackson Fristo. Yeah. So, and, and Preston Johnson's performance in game two was was perfect. I mean, yeah. to come in there and eat up those innings and make sure that Landon Sims wasn't used or anybody else in the bullpen, I thought that was I, I thought that was the end for Vanderbilt. Yeah, uh, knowing that Landon Sims was was oh, yeah. lurking in the bullpen, it was over. I you mean, knew, you knew that if Bednar gave you anything on Wednesday night. They were going to be able to turn it over to Sims. Yeah, and I honestly think Sims last on that last game could have pitched five innings if you needed. He could have, but when you went up, when you went up five, five to nothing, then nine to nothing, there yeah. was no reason yeah, to the put ga- it in the, the game. The game was over when Kellen Clark hits the home run because and, at nine nothing in the seventh inning, there's no way Landon Sims is giving up nine runs. And by the way, I don't think even as much as we've talked about it, I don't think we can fathom just how good Will Bednar was. No, on three days rest to come in there and no hit Vanderbilt in mm-hmm. six innings. Mm-hmm. Is unreal, and Vanderbilt listen was not playing great down the stretch. I, I didn't think they needed to; they shouldn't have been in that position anyway. Right, but they were there, and state state still had to pitch against that. But to shut out anybody in a national championship game, and not only shut them out, no hit them for six innings on three days rest, mm-hmm. is superhuman. I don't know, I don't know enough about the the history of the College World Series, but. Who could have had a better College World Series than Will Bednar? The three games that he pitched, two against Texas and one against uh, Vanderbilt, completely dominant. The closest thing I could think was there was a guy from Virginia the year they won the national yeah. championship that threw three or you four know, games that was really good. I'd have to go back and look for like what Roger Clemens and Greg yeah. Swindell and those guys did, Jack McDowell back in the day. But, but three has got to be up there. Three games, 18 and third innings. I think he gave up – what three or four hits? Yeah, um, and struck out twenty something batters, walked six, I think, in eighteen innings. Yeah, just just dominant. And, and you know, as good as he was in game one with the fifteen strikeouts, I thought it, nobody expected him to get six. I, I was watching the game back today, game two, and they were talking about you know, well, we know Will Bednar is not going to give you six or seven innings. You just have to, and we talked about it, yeah. four innings. Yeah. Get get to the lineup twice. And get the ball to Sims, and that's all. Just keep the score where it is. Yeah. No, he 
He got through six innings, and he could have gone seven. Would have gone seven if State did not have the long inning there. And, and they weren't even close. to They, they tagged maybe two or three balls. Um, early on in the game, walked a couple of guys, got some guys on base. But it just seemed like he got better and better. That's what was so impressive. As the game went on, that you know his pitches were tighter. He was he had more control. Well, his worst inning was the first inning. Yeah, the slider he couldn't quite control the slider and his fastball. He was missing a little bit arm side, if I remember correctly. Whenever he got it, he got it, and yeah. they couldn't touch it. Everything was a weak ground ball rolled over or a pop up. They could not hit anything solid, and yeah. he made himself a lot of money. No, no question about that. He'll be a first round pick. Uh, very, very soon in the coming weeks. Um, who was the most underrated player on this team for you? Whole season? Yeah. Houston Harding. Okay. Um, to He was just, you know, you talk about beginning of the season, the midweek starting pitcher, and then you start kind of transitioning him to the bullpen a little bit. Jackson Fristo takes over as your um, Sunday guy, and then – Houston became so valuable in long relief. I mean, think about those games that he pitched in long relief this year um, to give State so many opportunities whenever things were, weren't going well early on in the ball game. He was just so valuable, I thought. And I don't think you win a national championship without him. And really, that could be said about a, a lot of guys on this team. I mean, th- this is this is the most team effort I've seen from a Mississippi State ball club. I mean, one through nine, you don't you, – you don't – you, you might not beat Texas without Braylon Skinner and Tanner Leggett. Yeah. You know, you, you, you might not um, win a lot of games without a lot of players that haven't been the marquee stars. And I, that's why you have to feel really good moving forward about this team because it wasn't a, it wasn't a one- or two-man show with, you know, Will Bednar, Landon Sims pitching or Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan at the plate. Everybody played their part. I think about Scotty DeBrule getting on first base against Virginia, and then, you know, Kellum Clark, the, the eight-hole hitter, hitting a two-run homer to break up the no-hitter. Everybody played their part. It really came, you know, into focus at Omaha when it just seemed like everybody made a difference. Lane Forsythe had three hits in that second game against Vanderbilt to get going. Everybody did their job, and that's the definition of – you know, a, a team and a championship team, especially when you win a championship, you're not doing it on the backs of two or three people, especially in baseball. You you got to have contributions up and down the order in all three of your pitching staff. And I, I just felt like Houston Harding might be the unsung hero a lot of times this year. Um, when he, he was lights out in the midweek and then really became a key part of this team moving forward. I don't think they beat Notre Dame uh, and make it to Omaha without him. I mean, I, I feel like he he was that good. That that was a lineup that was tough to get through, and he just limited the damage against them and allowed his offense to get going. I, I thought that was huge, and I thought his performance, too, uh, against Vanderbilt was big to, to push that game out because I, I felt like the middle innings, fourth inning, I think it was, whenever he had runners on the corners with one out, and he was going up against C.J. Rodriguez, who just hit a home run off of him the first time up. Got a strikeout of Rodriguez and a strikeout of Vaz back to back to end the inning, and I thought that just killed Vanderbilt's spirit from there. So he, he's my, he's my guy that I would say is just the unsung hero on this team, a guy that doesn't get talked about enough. Mine would have been a guy whose stats you put out on Twitter earlier today, Luke Hancock. Yeah, I think you know there was so much focus on on Rowdy and Tanner, obviously. So and you know Cam James and 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 Logan Tanner, but 
Luke Hancock, just the most reliable guy. You know, you and I, it became sort of like a running thing for us. That you've got a runner on third with less than two outs and Luke Hancock's batting, he's going to score that run. Yep. That's going to happen, be, be it out or whatever. He, he's going to get the run home. So just so productive, doesn't strike out, uh, great approach at the plate. And then you sort of mentioned it there earlier that to be able to, you know, go from being catcher to first baseman, which, I, you know, just not his natural position, and by the end of the year was playing a really good first base, did whatever the team needed him to do to win. Just just very impressive young man there, and I think he'll be a, a big catalyst for this team uh, in 2022. That's well, the greatest argument against batting average. Yeah. What he did this year. 268 average, but he was second on the team in RBI by, I think, he had three or four less RBIs than Tanner Allen. And then... the 47 walks, I believe, 17 uh, strikeouts. 17 strikeouts and 220-something at-bats is just unbelievable. This day and age, incredible plate discipline. And like you said, anytime, whatever the moment, whatever situation he was in, it just seemed like he always came through. Yeah, you said it, you know, OPS. That's what you're looking at. What's his on base? Yeah, I feel like uh, Billy Bean and uh, my he gets on base. He's a money ball guy for sure. Yeah, for sure. But but he's also he's got good power. Yep. You know, he he he's definitely a guy with a, with a bright future ahead, ahead of him. Let's look at next season. But let's first we'll move into that. Thanks to our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Hope everybody had a great Fourth of July. I certainly did. And Welcome Home Beef was a big part of that. You may have seen on Twitter the delicious tri tip that I cooked. I had a great meal with my family and my fake friends. It was fantastic. And uh, yeah, tri tip on uh, Sunday. We had a beef tenderloin from Welcome Home Beef on Saturday, so I just really enjoyed myself thanks to them. Here's the deal with Welcome Home Beef. Now, the store on University Drive is closing, but it doesn't mean you can't still get all the great cuts of beef from Welcome Home Beef. You're just getting them at Val's here in Starkville now. Just go to Val's. Everything that they had in the cabinets at Welcome Home Beef is available to you at Val's, but it's got a little twist to it, and they're both good. A, you can get stuff cut to order now. You used to be at Welcome Home Beef. You just had to get the ribeyes they had there. Now, if you want a two-inch thick ribeye, they'll cut it for you. And B, there's going to be a little bit of a price change, and it's going to save you money. That's going to be a little bit better value now at Val's Market. So, again, you're losing nothing. They just don't have the store open anymore on University Drive, but everything's available at Val's, fresh and ready to go. So, if you do have any questions for Welcome Home Beef, you can always call them at 662-268-8148 or visit them online at welcomehomebeef.com. And if you're a uh, local grocer and you're looking to get Welcome Home Beef products in the in the uh, in the store there, definitely give them a call. They're looking to expand all across Mississippi now. Markets have Welcome Home Beef. If yours doesn't have Welcome Home Beef, make sure you call them. Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. Two Brothers Smoked Meats. I was in Two Brothers on Friday before the parade, and it was jumping then. And, of course, during the parade, the same. And we all saw the great video out of uh, Two Brothers on Wednesday night where that place went crazy. Imagine throwing a beer in the air for anything less than a national title. That was incredible. Couldn't be me. That view was awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that's what Two Brothers is. It's a lot of fun. The food's great. The atmosphere is great. The people are great. If you're coming to Starkville, you need to make Two Brothers one of the stops. You definitely want to grab a meal there every time you are in town. Head to the university, head to 621 University Drive, the heart of the Cotton District, at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Advantage Business Systems has a two-way plan to take care of you. First off, they're going to give you a great deal on some great products. Everything your business needs to survive and thrive in this day and age with more profits and less problems. Everything you need from a technology standpoint, they've got you covered. And they back everything they do up 
with top-notch customer service. That's what you expect from your neighbors, and that's what Advantage Business Systems is. They are your neighbor. They're a Mississippi business first and foremost. They've been doing it for nearly 50 years in this state. You can't stay in business doing anything that long unless you take care of your customers. Why don't you call them today, find out how they can help you. That number is 601-362-9192, or visit them online at absms.com. You'll find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. It's, it's never too early to take a look ahead. So let's look at 2022 and what this team is going to look like. Let's start with the, with the lineup. I think there's some big bats, obviously, coming back. We just mentioned Hancock, Logan Tanner, back, Brad Cumbus, and Kellum Clark. Those guys have potential to be double-digit home run guys. Nobody's replacing Tanner Allen the way nobody's replaced Jake Mangum and nobody replaced Justin Foskey. you know, you got to just find guys. But it feels like the outfield for Mississippi State, there's a lot of options out there. There is, and they just added another guy. I mean, it, just now? Well, um, a couple uh, of days ago. Oh, okay, she was like, this moment? We got a commitment? Okay. No. It, what about um, Jess Davis, the Jess, transfer from UAB? Jess Davis from UAB. He's got a couple of years left. Um, a speedy guy. He was a gold glove winner. With, he was one of the top three defenders in the country mm-hmm. this year. Um, with And one of those other guys was Enrique Bradfield from Vanderbilt. So that tells you how good this guy was. He's had 70-something stolen bases, I believe, in his three years, two and a half years at UAB. So you're adding a guy that's going to be dangerous on the base pass, and he's also going to be a plus defender in the outfield. And I think that's going to that's going to lock up one of your outfield spots. And then the question is, I feel like Brad Compass probably has a starting spot locked up as well. The question is, what do you do with that other spot? Um, Braylon Skinner's an option. Kellum Clark's an option after playing some outfield. I talked to him. Uh, during the regionals, he said that he started. He was feeling pretty comfortable at, at an outfield spot, so that could be his spot. He could be a DH. He could be corner infielder. I don't know. So there's a lot to sort out there uh, moving forward for Mississippi State. But you feel really good about what you're bringing back. I mean, look at those guys that were that were fresh faced this year that had never been in SEC ball. They went through some struggles this year, but look how these guys were playing late in the season. I mean, I think back to Brad Cumbus and how lost sometimes he seemed at the plate just because of how far behind he was um, behind the rest of the guys that, have, that do this on a yearly or a, a month-by-month basis. He is a guy that plays football for six months out of the year or whatever it is and then comes in and, and is trying to figure out SEC baseball. It's amazing what he's doing right now if you think about it. But he really grew this year. I thought he grew tremendously. He, he began to kind of spray the ball um, across all fields this year, became much better at recognizing pitches. And I thought by the end of the year, he was a tough out for other teams. I agree. And you look at Logan Tanner, how much better he got. Cam James, he had some struggles. Man, how good was he late in the year? Luke Hancock. All these guys are coming back. And, and that cannot be overstated how big that is. You're losing two big pieces, but – this is still a relatively young team. Yeah, this is still a team that I mean, you just won a national championship with a, with a bunch of guys I mean, in that it's, lineup. It's, that it's just Rowdy Tanner and DeBrule. DeBrule, yeah, and, and which by the way, DeBrule really came on late yeah. in the year and was a huge part of this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be a, a guy that you have to replace too at second base. So there's question marks about who goes where, but you have some key spots coming back: shortstop, third base. First base, more than likely. Catcher, those are big spots coming back. You know Jess Davis is probably going to be center field. That's a big spot. Mm-hmm. So, really, your your holes are not as big as people would think at yeah. this point. Oh, I don't, I, 
a lot of we've seen some little message boards and stuff. You know, what does this team? I think after five straight Super Regionals and three straight College World Series appearances and a national title, you, you can sort of buy into the idea of reloading and not so much rebuilding. They've been in much worse shape than yeah. they're going to be next year. Set the infield for me, if you if you could. Who do you, how do you think it plays out? Okay, so I, I think, I mean, obviously you got catchers going to be Logan Tanner, third base, Cam James, shortstop, Lane Forsyth. The question is going to be at second base what you see there. Mm-hmm. Davis Mesh is an option who was a bench guy this year, yeah. but – He's a he's a plus defender at second base. That that could be a guy. You know, a big question is whether or not you get Jordan McCants, who a lot of people believe is not going to come to school. But if you somehow did get him to school, that really shakes some things up. Mm-hmm. You know, he can play second base. Forsyth might get play second base and him shortstop. First base, you feel really good about Luke Hancock right yeah, now. I agree. So. I think really the only question mark you have right now is second base yeah, and what you're going to do there. And I I think Davis Mesh is, is perfectly capable of stepping into that spot. Yeah. But it's just, a, you know, that's what the fall is for, for those, for those positions to kind of get solidified a little bit and really clamp down on uh, in the fall or the spring or the fall and then get right. clamped down in the spring. Who are Sorry. a couple of newcomers? You mentioned McCants, who who may or may not be. So of the guys you you feel confident will come to Mississippi State next year, who's some guys who can make an impact? Oh, I think um, I I really like Hunter Hines from Massa Central. Mm-hmm. You know, the questions Mark's going to be where where does he play? Do you put him at first base or do you put you know Luke Hancock in at DH? What do you do there? But that's a guy that can absolutely absolutely mash. Uh, you have some you have some really good bats in this yeah, class. This, this class has some power in it. Slate Offord, I think, is going to be a stud. Um, corner infield guy could play either third base or first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, the you're going to see Lamonis change things up a little bit mm-hmm. with with what you're used to seeing from a Mississippi State hitter. I think he's going to start playing to his park a little more, and that's what those two guys are going to bring to the table. They're they're really going to play to this park. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's some guys already here. Kite McDonald can really smash. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's some guys here that can that could really hit it. I, I think State's home run numbers are really going to jump next year. Let's talk about pitching. Uh, you know, obviously, probably a full a fully new rotation. You, do, any chance McLeod returns? I don't know. You know, he he's been in this program for three years, mm-hmm. and you know, I I don't know. I feel like he's probably ready to move on, and. I think he's probably dropped a little bit mm-hmm. as far as the draft no is question. concerned. How could he not? I, I think it would take it. It would take him dropping tremendously and somebody saying, "Hey, you, you need to go back to school. See if you can get this together." Mm-hmm. Because the guy obviously has some great stuff. Mm-hmm. It just didn't play late in the year. I don't know what happened late in the year, but it just didn't play. And uh, the the mindset has got to get better for him. He's got to be able to kind of work through some things when mm-hmm. he gets in trouble, yeah, and handle that situation. But at the end of the day, I mean that this was this was still his first year pitching SEC baseball in the SEC. Some guys handle it great, and some guys don't. And at times he handled it great, and sometimes he didn't. So it's certainly, I think if he came back, I think that would be a plus for Mississippi State to have. A veteran arm like that—that's got that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just when, don't know. When we think about what the rotation is going to look like next year, there's not really a lefty that stands out, is there? They don't have hardly any lefties left. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you, you just lost Dylan Carmouche. Yeah, and you, you're going to lose some. You're going to lose a couple of big time lefties in the draft, and Andrew Walling and um, Maddox Bruns. Mm-hmm. But those guys are going to go relatively high in the draft. Those are two big 
losses, but you kind of expect that. Mm-hmm. I feel like Pico Khan's going to be here, and uh, that's going to help. Mm-hmm. But there's just not a whole lot of lefties. I mean, Cam Tuller is back. Yeah, he's he's got to make a jump this year. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt to get him back, and it wouldn't hurt to get Houston Harding this back. This is a place where the transfer portal might yes. have to be Mississippi State's friend. Yeah, to find a left-handed starter, and I feel like that's probably going to happen. But Kate Smith, uh, Jackson Fristo, those are those are names. Mikey Tepper, Mikey Tepper, and then there's the name that I want to talk about: is Landon Sims. What do you do with him? I, I am of the opinion now that as as good as he is as a closer. I think you have enough guys to find another closer. I think Parker Stinnett could grow into that role. Uh, or Preston Johnson, if he decides to stay. I don't know. But Landon Sims is so valuable. Imagine what if you could get that kind of production on a Friday night yeah. to start the game, six, seven innings. I mean, that's invaluable. Plus, it's, it, it helps him. Because I mean, a, a reliever may be a late first-round pick just because he has mm-hmm. such great stuff. But, you know, think about where Lindgren went. But a starter... With that kind of stuff, top five pick. Yep. If he adds, you know, a two seamer uh change up change up in the offseason, I mean you're talking about early first round. Uh the movement and the velocity he has on his fastball is elite. The um slider, his breaking ball is really good. I mean, he is right now he's he's got some major league stuff and I've talked to some pro scouts. I've heard Chris Young talk about him. Uh, there's a lot of people that believe that he could be pitching in a major league game right now and get out of an inning. So uh, that's the big question. What do you do with Landon Sims? And I can go either way on this. I'm leaning where you are. If you're going to pitch him once a weekend, try to get try to get eight innings out of him every weekend. I mean, there's if you got a guy like that, if you got a bullet like that, you might as well try to get get that out of him. And it also is going to help him. He's going to become a more valuable pitcher in the MLB because he's ha- he has three or four pitches that he can work with, and that's going to be something that that can really elevate his stock. And he can be you know front end of the first round kind of guy. He's got the stuff to do it. Um, it just needs to add. It needs to add another pitch, maybe two more pitches to really be that next level guy. Which I think you know he's already right there. But at the same time, you know. Uh, you could make the argument that you want him in that situation to close down the ball games, but like you said, I do feel like you know Parker Shenet. Like that's or some, an easier hole to fill than yeah, Friday night ace. If you can find somebody that steps in, steps up there, and that you feel like can come in and get three outs, six outs mm-hmm. late in the ball game, then I think that's the way to go. And I, I just think you know, it's I think he could be more valuable getting. A shutdown guy on every Friday night, and uh, it's more valuable for him. Like I said, so if you're going to use him once a weekend, try to get as much as you can out of him. Yeah, I agree. All right, one quick thing for football, and then we got to get out of here. Uh, Mississippi State was expecting a, a big commitment this past weekend from Xavier Harris, the big defensive tackle from Germantown. He ends up going to Ole Miss or committing to Ole Miss. That sort of caught almost everybody uh, by surprise. Are you? Should I include you in on that? The Rebels trying to. Drop that news in on Mississippi State during the national championship. They're trying to uh, dow some water on Mississippi State's national championship. No, I don't. You know, it was it was surprising, but I, I kind of got that. How many times have we like seen 
Paul or somebody come on the board and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm hearing. Something's delayed the announcement or something yeah. like that. And it can it turn out bad for Mississippi State. Yeah. Like, that's happened. Every time I see that, I just automatically assume yeah. that this is going a different direction. So I d- Paul came on there and said, you know, his mom didn't know that he was going to announce. And this is kind of – so I was like, oh, wait a second. Th- there's a, there's a, uh, a whiff of Willie Gay to this to me. Yes, yes. It feels just like that. So – Long term, do you think he ends up at Ole Miss? I don't know. You know, I I talked to him after a basketball game at Startville back in the fall. Uh, actually, it was the spring. Um, and he talked to me about, you know, how much he loved Mississippi State. He talked to Tony Hughes every day. And everything, all signs have been pointing to Mississippi State. So this was kind of a surprise. And I, I did hear that Ole Miss was starting to gain some ground on him. And they were recruiting him really hard. But – even up to the decision, you know, a lot of people thought that he was going to go to Mississippi State. And usually when that happens, State's going to stay in the game for the kids. So I would be shocked if State didn't at least make it interesting and make this, you know, a recruitment to follow. But, yeah, it was a little surprise, surprising, and it was especially kind of surprising to me that he committed this early. Yeah. So a lot of times when that happens, it doesn't stick. Feels like you know, for all of MSU's success with defensive linemen, they should be a little bit, uh, a little bit better shape with these guys. But at the same time, they're just, and it, it happens every year, and a lot of times it doesn't ever pan out. But it feels like there's a lot of buzz between uh, Harris and then Trevion Williams that they may both end up here in Starkville after all. So it's early; it's it's just July. We have got a long way to go, but something to, to, to note. For Mississippi State, some some of these four star guys that you thought were going to get into the class at this point and sort of start boosting it up, that hasn't happened yet, you know. And now you still got Stone Blanton sort of sitting out there, Bryson Hurst, R.J. Moss. We'll see when they eventually get into the boat. State would like to needs to get a couple of big time names in the boat just to get some momentum going, and that hasn't that hasn't really happened yet. Cam East, is, I mean Lucas Taylor, these are great commitments, but those are not in state guys. You haven't gotten the big names here in Mississippi yet to, to commit and sort of drag some other guys in there with them. So we'll see what, see how it all plays out. All right, guys, uh, that's going to be all for today. Yeah, I just, want, I just I wanted to, to just bring attention to the fact that I ran into so many people at Omaha oh, yeah. that are listeners of this show, and I just want to thank – I mean, that was – it was so humbling to hear – It's your first time to really I've never experienced. That, yeah. I've never experienced that, and just to be stopped on the side of the street and, you know, random fans just, just tell me that they loved – me and you and they love the the banter that we have and they they really enjoy our our show it was just really humbling to me to know that there's so many listeners out yeah. there some women we have we have a lot of we women have listeners. listeners man they love and that was too. that was awesome to see too i, I don't want to i don't want this just to be a bunch of dudes just a bunch of sweaty guys sitting around talking sports we need we need to balance it out a little bit and i appreciate that but it was really cool to meet everybody that um, that I met in Omaha. Um, I just want to thank y- you guys for listening to the show and supporting us, supporting these businesses that, that we talk about because these are some outstanding businesses that love Starville, that, that love Mississippi State. And uh, we love you guys. I mean, this is this is a it's it's a job for it's a job for both of us, but at the same time It's fun. I feel like I should be paying Super talk to allow me to talk. Don't say that out loud. Well, I'm just saying they'll they'll, they'll take you up on that if you're not careful. I know, but I I just wanted to say I appreciate you guys. Thank you for supporting us. I've only been here for about a month now, but I'm just saying Mississippi State didn't have a national championship until I started here. And when when I started was Joel, at the, was at the end of the SEC tournament when State got blown out. So yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is since I started, State won regional 
Super Regionals, and won a national championship. It's so. true. It's a true story. But so. appreciate you guys, and thank you for supporting us. It means the world to us. Every time you tell us that you you love the show and you appreciate what we do, it just uh, it makes my day. It makes Brian's day. So we appreciate you. Absolutely, 100%. Love meeting you guys. Got to see some of you all out in Starkville uh, Wednesday night celebrating, and that's always a good time. That's what I forgot to say. It was your first time to – to, to enjoy the thunder and lightning rub, if you will. So It was awesome. All right. This week will be interesting. We've got the rumblings on Wednesday as normal. We've got to catch up on some football stuff. I sort of let it go because State was playing so well. We've got, I think, we're three behind on SEC and opponent preview, so we'll get those this week for sure. Also, and, and Robbie doesn't know this shit, but Robbie's getting a day off this week that he doesn't know about. So just don't, oh. don't worry about that, though. I'll tell you why uh, after the show. Guys, have a great week, and we're back with you on uh, Tuesday. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.